0: What's going on? Welcome to another episode of Eastern Current. Uh, we've got a rainy day today, so I'm actually recording the podcast. It's at it's 11 a.m. Um, I've not recorded one at this time, probably since last January or February, but it's nice. Uh, we've got a great guest on here for you all that I'm excited to introduce you to. Um, before we get into that, I want to just tell you, all go check out our Facebook page. It's Eastern Current Fishing. Uh, if you do love this podcast and want to help support us, go check out our Patreon page. It'll be linked in the YouTube Um, description as well as the show notes for the podcast um, on any of the podcast platforms Uh, the facebook page has been a really cool it's been growing a lot and it's just cool to see conversation um, struck up in there and questions answered and um, you know kind of relationships built through that so it's just a cool way to connect with other listeners for sure Um, we are going to talk again today about trout fishing Uh, i know we've been talking a lot about trout fishing but there's so much to talk about um, within you know trout themselves and so uh, it's, it's definitely that time of year. Everyone wants to go catch trout. It's been good It's kind of tapering off here in North Carolina at least southeastern North Carolina a little bit um, Due to this warm weather. We haven't had any more fish pushed down here, but oh, we want to help y'all be prepared and ready for when uh, We get a little more cold weather and a lot more fish Hopefully pushed down here from up north and uh, we're gonna do that today But I'm gonna go ahead and bring on our guest. We've got Wyatt, a good friend of mine who also works for salt strong if you haven't listened to um, the salt strong podcast or seen any of their stuff you'll definitely need to go check it out but here's Wyatt for you what's going on man
1: what's going on Judd hey everybody I cannot tell you guys how excited I am to be on here I've learned so much from this podcast and all the amazing guests that have been on here and, and Judd from you as well so absolute honor to
0: be on here today sweet man thank you so much I appreciate it absolute honor to have you on here um, it should be a fun one we'll just be honored all day long <laughs> but uh well cool well, let's kind of give people your backstory um, Share with them you know, how you got into fishing and, and how you kind of started working with Salt Strong and what your job is with them, and, and we'll just roll on from that.
1: Yeah, so uh, I, I grew up, um, I'm kind of the only one in my family that, uh, that fishes. My dad wasn't really super into it, so got a little bit of a different story from uh, most of the, the guys that have come on here, um, but just kind of found fishing as something to do after school. Had some old rods that my, my granddad had owned and i just did a lot of bluegill fishing and then one day i was reeling in a bluegill and caught this uh this giant bass it had to have been a hybrid bass down in tampa where i used to live and it, it just got me absolutely hooked and from then on i explored all kinds of different avenues of fishing i started bringing my rods to the beach and stuff when my families would go on the weekends and that's when i really fell in love with saltwater fishing uh you know with bass fishing i tell people you have 10 different lures to catch one species of fish saltwater fishing you can take one lure out and catch tons and tons of different species of fish. It's just an absolute blast. So I I absolutely fell in love with saltwater fishing, Uh, moved to Tennessee for schooling, um, and I knew I wanted to go back to the coast. I literally couldn't live without it. And I got mentioned to Joe Simons, which is one of the brothers that runs Salt Strong, uh, as a possible hire who would be looking for a job in the fishing industry. And uh, I got kind of a test in making a video for Salt Strong. Um, and that's kind of what Salt Strong is. We create a lot of content. Uh, and I made this video about catching trout in the springtime in North Carolina. And uh, they liked it, they brought me on. And since then, I've lived in North Carolina for about a year and a half, going on two years now. And I, I just have fallen in love with the fisher here. I've learned so much about it. And uh, I am now currently the, the Carolinas coach. i travel down to South Carolina fish a little bit around North Carolina um, and I've gone up to Virginia once um, but it's it's just fun being able to explore all these different places learn about the different fisheries and the different habits of all the different fish that live there
0: yeah definitely man that's cool that's uh awesome to see you kind of have that dream and follow it and and, and succeed within it um, so many people it just affirms my I mean I'm never gonna make a ton of money being a fishing guide and running a fishing podcast but I have so many friends that just seems so unhappy in their jobs in you know corporate life, and I'm like, golly, it just—I'm so thankful that this is what I do, and not that that those jobs aren't for some people. Um, but I think for guys like you and I, we've got to be around the water more than not around the water, or at least talking about being around the water. So well, that's cool. That's cool. Um, so how has um, you know North Carolina since you moved here a little later on? How has that kind of Opened your eyes to saltwater fishing more from, you know, maybe being based out of Florida at first. And and how does that kind of compare to some of the other saltwater uh, fishing destinations that you've that you fished?
1: Yeah. So being down in Florida, you know, there was no big tide swings. There's no marshes. It's just open grass flats. So what I grew up fishing, kind of learning, um, I did a lot of surf fishing when I was younger, too but this is i mean north carolina south carolina all these coastal marsh areas nothing i had ever experienced i didn't know really when i came here what to do so i had to rely on resources that kind people like you had put out uh, just to to really learn the basics and fundamentals of things i really didn't even know how to to read a tide chart because down in florida it's not as necessary uh, but here i feel like you can really get yourself into trouble number one with your craft Uh, if you're there at the wrong tide. Number two, the fish just aren't gonna do anything if you're there at the wrong tide in the wrong location. So, it was was a big learning curve, I had to step around. Um, Also, I had never really fished from any kind of craft. Like I said, I was really the first one in my family to fish, I didn't have anybody taking me out fishing on their boat, anything like that. So, I bought a kayak, and that was really where I got to learn the marshes and everything in on such an intimate level, because with a boat, you can kind of scoot around really fast with a kayak. You, a lot of times have to plan your trips around the tides because especially if you don't have a pedal kayak, ki- or yeah, one of the pedal kayaks, uh, you can find yourself getting caught with current and you're stuck out there much longer than you wanted to. And it's just, a, uh, you really learn a lot more about the marsh going out and, and having to experience it in a kayak instead yeah. of, you know, a skiff and things like that.
0: Yeah, definitely. Would you say that, um, I guess range probably with a with a pedal drive kayak would be a little bit further than a pe- than a paddle kayak as well, or, or is that kind of just depends on if your legs or your arms are stronger.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I would say definitely you will have much a much wider range if you okay. have a a pedal. Um, it, it's really it comes down to stamina. Your legs are a much stronger muscle in your body than your arms. You're gonna fatigue a lot faster um, if you're just using a paddle. Yeah, uh, I think the biggest advantage though is being able to fish while you move so you can you know assess areas much faster you're not it's it's really a time thing in my opinion if you're out there you're planning around the tides you know you have time constraints things like that if you've got a paddle kayak you know you have to first make it to your spot before you can fish you can't do two things at once unless you're trolling which isn't terribly effective for some species it is but I find that having the pedal kayak extends my range because I'm able to quickly assess areas and move on and make the most of my
0: time yeah. in the zones that I want to. Definitely, yeah, you can just kind of make some cast as you're moving along a bank to maybe the area you were heading to and then you find a whole new spot, a whole new zone to fish and that's super cool. That's one thing that you really only get from a pedal drive kayak. Um, there's no other craft out there or fishing platform. I guess a boat if you just used your trolling motor um but but really you know that pedal drive kayak it allows you to fish the entire time um i can't even imagine i feel like i'd be even more tired if i was just fishing non-stop the whole time but um how 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 great is the learning curve to like be able to sit there and n- not have to think too much about what you're doing with your kayak um, and just be able to fish because the couple times i've done it and i haven't done it in current which is kind of what we're going to get into today a little bit talking about trout fishing from a kayak but how long did it take you to kind of feel comfortable um, controlling the kayak and fishing and, and really not having to think too much about any of it?
1: Yeah. So I had already started trying to figure out how I could fish in the paddle kayak. And a lot of that is just learning how you can paddle with your forearm. So if you've got the paddle in one hand, uh, you're pushing, you know, maybe you've made a cast, you can pick up the slack as you switch hands. And it's just this weird little kind of is... dance you're doing with your, your paddle and your, your pull. So I had already kind of become a little bit familiar, so I can't say that it was too much of a big curve. I would say the first trip I was out, because I have a the kayak that's been loaned to me by Salt Strong uh, is actually Luke Simons' kayak. It's a Old Town Topwater PDL 120. Uh, very, very awesome system. Very easy to learn really quickly. First time I took it out, I actually broke it, <laughs> so I had to get a replacement part. Second time I took it out was when I actually got to fish with it, but I picked it up pretty much immediately. It's just a, a knob on the side, so really you're able to pedal and fish. And then if you need to adjust direction, you know, here there is a lot of high current, so I find myself I'm in the middle of retrieve, quick little switch with the the knob, and then I'm back to back to fishing. So yeah, it's not a very big. Um, it's something you can pick up really fast. Sweet, I think.
0: thank you. Uh, one of one of the, our friends that we we both talked to, Elias, he's got one of the new uh, Minn Kota Old Towns, and that is that's about as easy as it gets for fishing. I mean, it, one you can't run, so it makes you pick an area apart and assess the part quickly, but you don't have to do anything. You just press the lock and in, lock into place and go. So that's pretty cool. Um, but that those seem to be quite pricey.
1: <laughs> I've seen him out there scooting around on it, and I'll, I'll just wave to him, "Hey, Elias,"
0: and he's just zoom, <laughs> he's <good>. gone. <laughs> Uh, well, cool. Well, let's talk a little bit, of, uh, kind of get into actual trout fishing. Um, what have you learned in your time here in North Carolina and and maybe talk about, we can, we, we can go into Florida and stuff too. If you've got some, some, you know, relative information there as well, as far as trout fishing goes, but what has been kind of the areas that you look for and maybe try to target here in North Carolina, um, for speckled trout like what has been successful for you what do you look for in a a good spot
1: yeah so I'm, I'm happy to share because I went through a couple months where I just I was making so many mistakes with trout fishing especially in a kayak I think it's really easy to make mistakes you find areas that you may be catching drum and and some other species and it you feel confident in those areas and you're like oh let me adjust you know maybe my lures and I can start catching some speckled trout And I found myself making mistakes in spot selection because I felt it was easier to fish in a kayak. And I think if you're in a kayak, the big thing you need to do before you think about where is it easy for me to place my kayak, you need to think where is it easy for trout to hold. So the biggest mistake that I made, and I hope anybody listening to this, if you're having trouble catching trout in a kayak, you need to find areas with depth and current. With a kayak, that can be kind of tough, uh, most of the areas I was having success in and where I was you know, expecting to find trout, uh, down in Florida, they will be a little bit shallower. Uh, and they don't need really heavy current, really deep depth changes. They will push up into two, three feet and have no problem at all in a shallow marsh where you'll find red drum and stuff, uh, yeah. and flounder here. I have not found many trout in those scenarios. i picked off one or two stragglers in a marsh. Um, I, I fish really close to Masonboro. Um, masonboro sounds specifically i don't have any problem telling anybody that but right, right. uh not found many fish in the actual marsh it's the creeks that are surrounding it the entrances right, right. to that marsh um right now especially the most productive areas for me have been entry and exit points to marshes because think about all these trout that are moving in they are just kind of taking advantage of the bait that's leaving that marsh so yeah. any of the exit points for that bait and the entry points for those fish, because eventually they will push up into the marsh in the later seasons, Uh, but I didn't really get to experience that when I first moved here, so I didn't know the seasonal movements of these fish, Uh, but really the biggest areas that you need to focus on for me in a kayak are like the bends, the entry exit points uh, to big creeks, uh, because that's where those trout really are gonna spend the most of their time throughout the year, being able to pick those apart with topwaters, paddle tails, um, going different water columns, uh, is really important. But I, I really think biggest mistake I see a lot of people make is just fishing too shallow in these coastal marsh areas for them um, because they're just really not there, I find.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Tell me this, now when you, you know, let's talk about first uh, entry and exit points of creeks and marshes. Um, and then you talked about the bends and the creeks. So tell me if you're gonna go fish those areas on your kayak, how do you like to set up? Um, one with a pedal drive kayak and then two uh, with a paddle kayak.
1: Yeah, so when I, uh, when I had the paddle kayak, I didn't do really well with trout. In fact, it was a, a fish that I kind of dreaded going after if people were asking for tips. Uh, it, it was a fish I was kind of struggling with because you can't really hold directly in current with a paddle kayak. You need right. to either set up anchor or you need to push yourself up into the grass, uh, and it becomes a little bit more of a chore to go do. So I found first in the, uh, the paddle kayak, the easiest thing to do is go pick up a brush anchor. Uh, even in heavy current areas, you know those fish that are kind of close to the the entry and exit points in creeks, you can clip on. I don't know if you've ever seen those brush anchors; they just have giant jaws on them, and you clip onto the grass, and you can tether it to your kayak. And you can oh kind of wow, I haven't road. seen that. Yeah, it's a it's a really awesome tool. I made a video about um, how to use them, how to deploy them, stuff like that. It's on Salt Strong's YouTube.
0: If anybody yeah.
1: wants a quick tutorial. But uh, yeah, it's a really awesome tool that's really fast to deploy. I don't like using traditional grapple style anchors because they just make so much sound and with the the bottom here, sometimes I find they don't catch. Even even in muddy areas, I feel like they won't dig in where I want them to and I end up getting out of position because with trout here, I feel like you have so many opportunities for error and if you're not able to make casts efficiently, to that small zone where those trout are holding, you know, right behind a point where there's a little bit of a calmness in the, the heavy current, or, you know, right at that bend in the creek where you know that school is holding. If you're out of position four or five feet and you're not making your cast to that area, those fish aren't going to go chase it down into the current. So with the paddle kayak, uh, the, yeah, the paddle you need to make sure that your anchoring your positioning staging at those areas is done correctly because there's much less room for error than there is with the pedal kayak. Which yeah. To touch on in a second.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's, I think that's huge. That brush anchor is, is pretty awesome. Is that a kayak specific tool or do you see people use that on, on small boats and stuff as well?
1: I've seen people use it on skiffs, and I'm sure they have larger versions of it. Almost like they have bigger versions of, uh, the sticket anchors. Yeah. Uh, or boats uh for me it's literally i would say it's probably a foot long it literally just looks like uh, a pair of tongs that have jaws on them wow Uh, yeah it's got it's it's pretty pretty cool it's spring loaded it's got um something just grabs onto the grass really well only downside of it uh is that if you are in heavy enough current the grass you're clipping onto might be dead or something it'll pull it up by its roots but if you get enough grass into those jaws um i think it would be able to hold like a small skiff and stuff like that so yeah pretty cool little tool
0: yeah that's super cool super quick and easy and sounds like it doesn't probably take up much space on a kayak either which is always important oh yeah well let's get into you know some of the lures that you like to throw uh, for speckled trout and 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 definitely take me through because the biggest question people ask with with speckled trout fishing is it's like all right so you know anyone can tell you what to throw but like where do i throw this how do i retrieve it you know are there different ways to retrieve it how do i know if i'm doing it too fast or too slow so Kind of walk me through that with each one of the baits that you like to fish when you're speckled trout fishing.
1: Yeah, so uh, I think it'd probably be easiest to just kind of touch on what's been working because it's it's fresh in my memory. Yeah. Um topwater early in the morning has been my absolute favorite, and I'm really picky with my topwaters, uh just because I think depending on the species you're going after, you need to look for different qualities in a topwater. So I really like topwaters, this is a, a Yozuri top Knock, mm-hmm. which it's not necessarily my favorite topwater, but it's a good example, just because it's, it's a clear one, of what I like in a topwater. It's got a torpedo style body, so I can cast it really far. Uh, I can make sure that it's gonna walk really well. If you've got some topwaters that, uh, you know, have kind of a fatter body, they don't walk as great, they just kind of make a great sound, they splash a lot. But I prefer a topwater like the Spooks that make really wide cuts. Trout are visual predators. They've got their eyes on the top of their head. Uh, And I think anything that's going to happen with the sight spectrum in your lure is really going to fire up a bite a little bit more than any other quality. So first thing I'm looking for in a top water, it's got a good torpedo style body that can make wide cuts. Um, I I really like my top waters early in the morning. Sometimes I'll get bites up until noon, especially now that we're into the fall Mm -hmm. and I will use those, especially when it's overcast, um, you know, pretty Pretty calm conditions, but not necessarily too windy. If it is super windy, I'll pull out one of those for poly skater walk bees, um, which work really well when it's choppy. Uh, in fact, took one down to South Carolina last week and and caught a a 23 inch trout, um, out of Merle's inlet. So they, they work really, really well, um, pretty much any time of year for trout, especially early morning. Um, once the sun gets a little bit higher, I feel like those fish aren't attacking bait on the top. Uh, that's another big thing. Whatever you, whatever you're seeing the bait doing, if they're getting blown up, um, make sure you're trying to match not only the size, the the movement uh, of that bait, but where it's moving um, and and where those fish are attacking it. So when I see that the bait's not on the top anymore, I'm gonna switch to a subsurface lure. Uh, If I know those trout are on a depth change, I'm gonna play around with my jig heads and my paddle tails uh, just because you can feel out so many different areas for trout uh, with paddle tails. You can run them through, you know, creek bends, bouncing them, uh, you can cover large grass flats just by steady rolling them. Uh, I, I my biggest confidence bait really is the slam shady. Uh, it's just the, uh, the big paddle tail. Uh, it's really hard to beat just cause it's, it's so versatile. I know a lot of guys, especially you Judd, love that DOA shrimp. I haven't quite I figured do. it out yet, <laughs> but uh, I, I know once you learn those baits, they can be so extremely effective, but just for covering ground, especially in a kayak, um, the paddle tails are so so useful. Again, I'm always fishing areas that I'm not necessarily too familiar with. Um, with my job, I'm I'm always going to new zones to cover them for our members. Uh, so I I don't have the ability to always focus on my favorite spots and fish right. them with finesse the lures. Um, so the paddle tail is great for covering a ton of ground really Agreed, quickly. 100%. And it's, yeah, it's it's one I just have a lot of confidence in.
0: Yeah, it's such a great bait, man. And it's time and time again, like, I just forget and then remember how effective just casting and slow rolling a paddle tail back to the boat is. I mean, the other day we caught flounder, trout, striper, redfish all on pretty much the Slam Shady. It's the CA Richardson, the beer run. I mean, it's, like, pretty pretty similar colors. I think there might be a little more gold in it, but same idea, you know. Um, and that lure in about two hours and so everything eats every inshore fish that we have here uh, including the bluefish that like to get inshore and the jacks and all that kind of junk but um but yeah it's it's a great lure it's a really good search bait and and like you said it's it's tough um, with those doas to cover water well and with those lighter baits they fish really well i think you know if you if you are on fish you can probably out fish Maybe a paddle tail with a, a more of a finesse bait like that, but as far as being able to get out in your kayak, get out in your boat, and cover water um, and feel confident that you're fishing something that you're going to get bit on, uh, you know, a paddle tail is a really really good option. Um, and this time of year, I start to in the in the clear water, I, I'd say I go start to go a little more natural with my colors. Um, and in a little bit darker water, I love a white, like a, a white with a little bit of translucent in it, like the Slam Shady or like the the Beer Run. Um, but, but it's, uh, you know, those baits are, are great. And I do want to say this. So Cliff Nagel, who's been a like here from the beginning as a podcast listener, you reminded me of this when you said um, about the DOA shrimp. I got to be honest. He sent me, I didn't even know Billy Bay made a red flake shrimp. Um, they sink. They don't sink quite as well as the DOA. He sent them to me. I got them last week. Um, but they were getting bit just as much as the DOA shrimp, and they hold up way, way better. So I think I'm going to do a video here soon. why Maybe we could do it together. Of like the DOA shrimp versus the the Billy Bay shrimp because they they're pretty much the exact same shrimp, um, but it would be cool to kind of really critique the two. Um, but Cliff, thank you so much for sending those in. They were awesome. Definitely be buying some more of those. Um, but yeah, so that Slam Shady. What size swim bait do you like to fish? Does that change like you know depending upon the water temperature or the time of year? Um, how does that kind of play out for you?
1: Yeah. So uh, when I, I guess we'll start with. Fall, because that's really when I start targeting trout. Yeah. Um, I when would I you say that
0: starts for you? Fall, like, or when do you start targeting trout in the fall?
1: So I start targeting trout probably when we've had one or two cold snaps. And I don't have any, okay. I want to yeah. start with this. I don't have any electronics on my boat. Don't have a depth finder. I don't have anything that can tell me what the water temperature is. So I'm really kind of just going off of what I can feel, what I know that the migration patterns of those fish are a lot of them move down from virginia uh, at least here in north carolina and south carolina there's fish that move down from north carolina Uh, once you hit about jacksonville florida there's not too many fish that migrate down a lot of those fish just stay on those grass flats and they move close to the uh, the inlets i know anybody that's listening in texas there's a ton of great tagging studies that have been done same thing happens they stay in the same base system their entire lives Um, but once you get into the upper mid-atlantic kind of areas north carolina south carolina a little bit of georgia um, and very, very tip top in North of Florida, um, those fish are migratory. So I know that once we start having one or two cold snaps, there are going to be fish that are thinking, okay, there's some there's some really harsh cold snaps that are coming. I don't want to get caught in areas where I'm going to freeze and die. Uh, so they're going to move down to some warmer waters. So that's first one, two cold snaps when I start fishing for trout. And another great indicator is if I'm having to wear a jacket out on my, my fishing trips, I'm gonna start wishing. I'm gonna start fishing for trout. Yeah. that's a that's a that's a really good giveaway right there. So it's almost yeah, less
0: enjoyable to trout fish if you're not wearing a jacket. That's the thing. <laughs>
1: I, yeah, totally agree, hundred um, percent. Yeah. So uh, now, now to get back to the uh, the swim bait. Yeah. So my size is really going to be de- dependent on what bait is available. Uh, I know I asked some questions during that Gator Trout podcast that you guys had last week, which you guys covered very very well. Uh, it's really dependent on what bait is around. So in the you know early fall, bait is at its largest size throughout the year. Most of the bait shows up in the spring and it grows up throughout the summer. Uh, and then the fall is when you have all this large bait that's leaving the marshes and it's moving out through those exit points where I'm gonna be looking for trout. Uh, and I know that going with a five inch paddle tail. So we just came out with these Slam Shady Bombers. Um, they're fantastic bait to use. I'll throw, you know, some four inch, uh, we have a, a Z-Man version of these um, Slam Shadies. I will use those if I see that the bait is not as large, maybe they're hitting glass minnows. Um, the Z-Man has a little bit thinner of a belly. These bombers okay. are a little bit flatter. Um, and if I see that they're hitting really, really, really small minnows, I'll actually use, I've been using these a little bit more, these mirror lure marsh minnows. Oh yeah, uh, those are I sweet. Like, Oh yeah. They're great. They've got such a, I was looking at some underwater footage of them. They've got such a hard kick on that tail. Um, and I love it, especially in dirty water. Uh, if I'm fishing a little bit further up in the marsh, which the trout are starting to push a little bit further in past couple weeks, I've been finding them outside of the Creek mouse. Now they've moved inland or not, not inland, but they moved to the inside of the Creek mouse, which is a very significant change for me. Um, I mean, it's, uh, it's really dependent on what bait I'm seeing as we get, further into the winter time um, and, the, and the early, you know, early January, uh, I'm going to switch to a three inch paddle tail just because I think what's around is either really, really small minnows or it's just shrimp. And those trout do love shrimp. And you can work a paddle tail like a shrimp, twitch, twitch, pause, and they'll hit it. I think sometimes they hit it and they don't even think it's a, a minnow or something. Right, they think right, it's a small shrimp. So I think having that versatility sometimes i can fish it a little bit faster get it to kick like it is a minnow or just twitch twitch pausing it um i'm really just basing on what i know is around so when it gets really really cold i bump that size down a little bit warmer temperatures in the spring i'm fishing big baits again so four and five inch paddle tails uh just because i know those big trout are spawning they're aggressive uh and i I want the big ones to come up and hit
0: yeah definitely (laughs) if there's a bait you can throw one that you know maybe a bigger fish will eat why not do it um, Absolutely. well, sweet. Have we gone over all kind of your, 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 are there any other lures that you like to throw for trout that you have? We haven't talked about.
1: No, I'm, I'm really, I kind of just stick with top water and my paddle tails. I yeah. try to keep it simple for, uh, the people that I'm teaching just because uh, I see so many guys and I'm not saying that there aren't a ton of great ways to target trout and really dial in like the DOA shrimp is a perfect example. Swinging that bait through a high current area But having to teach that to somebody, uh, I mean, you've stated this yourself, it can be kind of tough to teach it to someone that's either new to fishing or trying to improve their game. And I think when I try to teach this stuff to people that are looking to become better fishermen, the focus isn't necessarily on the lures, which there is, you know, you can definitely catch more fish if you play around with the right lures. But one I know I can consistently catch good numbers and big fish with it's just a paddle tail and a top water so i try to keep it simple because i think the focus is is should really be elsewhere on spot selection yeah rather than you know spending fifty dollars on the latest and greatest
0: lure yeah definitely if you if you get to the area um where the fit you know you find the area where the fish are you're going to be able to get them on a lot of different lures typically i mean they are fish that that at times um can for sure get dialed in to one bait or one bait size or one retrieve, but um, they'll at least show themselves, you know, if you, if you thoroughly cover an area, you're going to catch one or two fish. There might be 50 fish there. And if you, as you play around with baits, you'll catch more, but um, you know, just all it takes is one bite to learn a spot. You know what I mean? Then it's like, Oh, there's fish here. And then you sit, sit down, and start picking it apart. Um, and I think that's, I mean, so many times already this year at a certain tide, I've gotten one bite on like a paddle tail or a doa shrimp and didn't even catch the fish but i'm like that was a trout bite go back later in the tide catch you know 10 or 12 fish out of that one spot and so um i I think one of that like one of the reasons for that is those fish are kind of moving back and forth maybe there was just a few fish right there um at that exact spot at that part of the tide but also i think you know more baits coming through areas at different parts of the tide and those fish will get fired up and start feeding a little bit better um but, you know, this time of year in the warmer water, you know, it should be colder water right now, but um, they're still very opportunistic. Those fish are going to feed. They're not going to be super picky. They're not going to be super color dependent. Um, but that is one other thing I wanted to talk to you about is do you how, – how much do you feel like trout are, you know – or do you just kind of stick with – I'm trying to figure out how to ask this. Do you stick with one color or how much do you play around with colors of your soft plastics?
1: Yeah, sorry, I was trying to get unmuted. Um, Yeah, I definitely play around with colors. And I do want to say again, trout 100 percent are super picky and they can get dialed in on one bait. Uh, I'm not saying at all that you shouldn't have different options. Um, I I was just saying I try to stick. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, in terms of colors, I try to match the color to the water clarity that I'm fishing, if you look at color reduction um, spectrums uh, with bluer colors uh, in really clear water. Um, you know, it surprised me. Blue is actually one of the best colors to use in really clear water just because it reflects more light, uh, as a white is, is best in both clear and dirty water. Um, but I, I've tried to learn a lot about what colors are going to work best. And if I find that I'm not getting bites on white, I might think in clear water, you know, it might be too obtrusive. It might be something that those fish are seeing and it might not look too terribly natural. And I'll switch it up to something of a red bone or one of these these marshmallow colors. I think this is the avocado red glitter chartreuse tail. Um, I've had some really good success. That is a popular
0: one in Louisiana, that avocado. It's a a good color.
1: Yeah, and I mean the chartreuse tail, it works great in in dirty water as well. But I (laughs) talked with you earlier on this year uh, about that red bone color. And I I had really great success with that even when the water was – was clear. So I'll play around with different colors until I can really find a consistent bite. Um, I find that the profile and action of a lure probably plays a little bit more into getting those first couple bites. But then once you've got the profile and the action, then that's when I start working on color. So I, I really try to rank it on the profile, you know, crustacean versus baitfish. Then I move into the action, which is gonna be your retrieve, or if it's a paddle tail that has a thicker tail, one that has a thinner tail, you know, I've got these trout tricks nearby somewhere, but those trout tricks, um, the swimming trout tricks, yeah. those work really great under dock lights, where you need a little bit more of a finesse presentation. I feel like if you're just burning paddle tails through a dock, you're not gonna get a whole lot of bites, but really kind of playing around with what, you know, bait is in the area, matching it to that, um, it is the first thing I'm going to do, but then once I see, you know, certain water clarity, I'm going to adjust that. A purple death is another great color that works yeah. really well and like lightly green stained water. Like I'm not talking like the clearish blue that we sometimes get in the marsh when the water is really deep. I'm talking like it's a light green. That's like, that's the one color that I feel like I've dialed into a very specific. Yeah, that's uh, cool.
0: That purple yeah, death, too, is such a good-looking color visually to, like, the human eye. Like, that's my favorite-looking soft plastic color in my whole box. Um, it's just a, a cool-looking one. I, as we're saying all these colors, I'm, like, trying to mentally jog them down because I'm, like, I'm going to try to go to intercoastal angle later. I'm so low on soft plastics. I finally found some DOAs and bought a ton of DOA shrimp the other day. Um, I think I've probably been through 50 packs already this year, 60 packs. Um but i bought a bunch but i I'm, i've got maybe 15 packs of i, I usually just fish seaman stuff but i'm going through and it's a lot of colors missing <laughs> like when the trout do get thick again I'm, I'm gonna need a little bit more of an option um have have you oh sorry what were you saying
1: yeah i just realized i haven't even talked about mirror lures which
0: is a that's one bait. Oh, yeah
1: totally now that works really really well and I, I am super picky about my mirror lure colors yeah so one that i've started using i don't think it's the time of year that you need to be up in the back creeks where there's a little bit less current using those 17s uh, i know some guys are, are doing really good with those and i think that's a lot of uh knowing where your fish are and finesse fishing a lot like the doa shrimp you're putting it in an area allowing the current to carry it uh just the areas that i'm fishing with my kayak i, I find the currents a little bit more ripping and I have a hard time getting it to stay in one spot. So yeah. I'm using these mr 52s uh-huh. which sink. So I can work them really well. They've got the tie on the top of their head. So I can work them vertically instead of kind of in a darting motion forward. So I can feel out exactly where those fish are holding. If I know that they're there, maybe I got one bite on a paddle tail, but I'm not getting any more. So like you said, those trout are opportunistic. A lot of times I'll get a, a bite first cast to an area and I'm like, okay, there's definitely fish here. And then... I'll keep fishing it, keep fishing it with that same lure. Sometimes it'll be a paddle tail uh, and I I won't get any more bites. And I'm like, okay, I don't know what's going on. Maybe they're not taking me up on this. And this is my, this is my trout buster right here. I'll put it in this, I'll put it in that area where I might've found fish that first time, give it some vertical movements and then let it kind of flutter down. Um, And I, I can always pull at least one or two extras out of that tough batch with this 52. But the color I really like, um, isn't actually a color. It's it's a pattern and it's that broken glass pattern. Yeah that You guys can see as I kind of turn it around in the light It does this flash and mirror lures are really great about going down and wobbling a little bit if you time with that loop knot. so even with my mr 17s, uh, which I actually have really good luck on in the marsh with uh, mm-hmm. with trout and reds um, I really like the broken glass. I'm not buying I, it's very rare that I'll buy a mirror lure and it not have that broken glass pattern just because in dirtier water, like we have here in coastal marsh zones, I feel like getting any kind of flash, any kind of extra light right. that you can to reflect. Like That's why I was talking about color spectrum, uh, color reduction spectrums earlier. You're looking for something that's gonna reflect light so this fish can see it. Sometimes you can be a little bit too obtrusive with it, so I've not gotten a chance to fish these in like crystal clear water, uh, like down in Florida, but I know a lot of guys um, that I talk to and I see reports every day in the Salt Strong Insider community where people are catching trout um and you know snook redfish on these mirror lures uh down in florida crystal clear water yeah so i know that
0: they'll work on there as well now tell me this this is kind of a random question in florida do you find that 90 or most of the trout are up on the flats and up in the shallower water or will you still catch them in deep cuts and on current you know and drop off edges and whatnot as well down there
1: yeah, so I feel like trout are more widespread down there. So they don't have a lot of the issues with gill netting and stuff, which is a totally different conversation for us to have. But they don't have; um, they've got basically they've got a much larger trout population down there. So there's a lot of trout that will push up really shallow. I was fishing with one of the the owners of Salt Strong, Luke Simons, pretty recently, and we were catching trout on this grass flat right up against these mangroves. Like they were right up on the shoreline. And it's like two feet of water. And these trout are not very big where traditionally we see small trout like that schooled up on those really deep depth changes right on those points. Like I've never found any small trout that shallow here just because I feel like they're worried about ospreys and stuff up here. They don't right. they don't get that shallow when they're that small. And it just seemed like there were so many more of those fish. Like they don't have a lot of flounder down there. I've been trying to figure out what populations are, but it yeah. seems like with all the flounder we have here, they've got all the trout down. So yeah. it's this really interesting concept. But yeah, they definitely push way shallower um, down in
0: Florida. Sweet. Yeah, that that's kind of what I've always heard, and through the little bit of trout fishing I've done down there, I've seen. Um, they they remind me a lot of a snook dude down there. It's kind of the way they hang out, and where they'll be, um, which is super cool. Um, yeah, I like that broken glass color too, man. Mary every year. It's so annoying. They just come out with so many new colors and it's they're so expensive and you just oh it's it's one of the the baits where like i want to have this big collection like as you were just talking about it i was like man i want to go buy another one of those plano tackle boxes the mirror lure boxes and just fill it up you know days off are dangerous for me because i just want to go to the tackle shop and buy lures and tackle but um well sweet well is there we're at about we're about 40 minutes is there anything else you know kayak wise maybe that you want to share with people um when it comes to targeting speckled trout, um, that, that has helped you or that maybe, um, something that you or like, don't do this or, or, you know, the freedom's yours to share whatever you want or nothing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would say, uh, probably some of the, the big mistakes I see and, and something that I would, I would hope people would focus on. I know we've talked a lot about lures and I did kind of touch on this earlier. You really need to focus on your spot selection more than anything. Um, It's really, really important that you pick the right areas to go fish and and try to find, you know, some good launches where you're not spending, you know, an hour to get to your spot. Because I think it's more important to find areas that are closer where you can launch um, and you don't have a ton of time where you're actually going out to your first spot. uh, And you can plan three or four different areas that are close to your launch rather than planning one spot that's an hour away. So. Making the most of your time on the water is really important because when you can try out multiple spots, you know, and and learn where those fish really like to hold, it's going to provide you a lot more value than focusing on one spot that's an hour away and say you're not catching fish, you're playing around with tons of different tackle. That's not what's going to help you learn the patterns of those fish. Try to find a confidence bait, something you know you can cover water with in a kayak. It's super important to be able to fish very quickly and assess areas, move to new zones, just because you don't have the luxury of being able to motor over to a completely different marsh like you do in a boat. So paddle tails, again, I I can't stress enough how great of a search bait those are, Um, but I know a lot of people that really like the jerk shads as well, Mm -hmm. some people like curly tails, and I'm not saying that one is really better than the other, find one that you know how to fish, uh, one that's comfortable for you to fish, some people, are comfortable with dead sticking, I always have to be doing something, so that's why I like the paddle tails. But but find something that works for you. Yeah trout and we talked about their opportunistic predators. Just focus on your spot selection. Um and, and learn learn from a lot of these podcasts. Judd has done, I don't know, what episode is this if you know off the top of your head.
0: Somewhere near ninety. I think we're approaching ninety.
1: There's so much good information in all of these episodes. There's so much great info out there about fishing. And I would really, I really urge everyone to focus on learning the actual behavior and biology of these fish, where they like to hold um, more than anything else. I think it's yeah. really important to focus on lures once you've found the fish, because that's how you dial in and become a much better angler once you've found them. But if you're not catching you know, fish consistently, that's a spot selection problem. And that's yeah. the big thing you gotta, you gotta kind of jump the hurdle along with kayak fishing.
0: Definitely. Um and one thing that i've been i I thought about that i do want to share on this podcast is like this is a great time of year and, and this is kind of i don't know if this is lame to say this but if you go to an area to trout fish this time of year there's usually going to be a lot of boats there like you can learn a lot by kind of watching where other people are fishing this time of year and seeing who's catching fish trying to learn from how they're you know how they're they presenting a bait and you know kind of exactly how they're set up in a spot so pay attention to those fishing around you like this time of year trout fishing you know people will fish pretty close to each other um, and it's a great way to kind of learn um, and, and maybe see what you might be doing wrong they might be catching fish and be throwing a paddle tail but they're working it slightly different than you um, and it's just a good good way to kind of fact check yourself and fact check your fishing uh, while you're out there on the water but well thanks so much for coming on man we'll definitely have to have you on again um, or just let you host the show. You're just so articulate and way better at, at explaining your thoughts than I am. So I'm impressed by that. But um, guys, if y'all want to check him out, if you're just listening uh, and you're not viewing, his Instagram is Wyatt Salt Strong. Um, And then you, you, also if you go to SaltStrong on YouTube or look it up on any of the podcast platforms, they've got a ton of great content. A lot of videos. Wyatt's creating videos every day um, that are just there to help y'all learn how to catch more fish. So go check those out as well. Um, and that'll be through Saul Strong on YouTube. But, man, thank you so much for coming on and uh, look forward to doing another one. Absolutely. Uh, well, guys, thanks, thanks, guys, yeah, thanks for checking out this podcast. And we will see you all in the next episode. Later.